Well, good morning, Westridge. Happy uh, Palm Sunday. Thank you. Thank you very much. My allergies arrived about 3.30 a.m. this morning, so my voice, I think it's a little bit better, but it was really raspy early on. So if I lose it again or it gets too raspy for you, just put the earbuds in, hit playlist. In other words, what you normally do. Just... Um, have you noticed what significance words like lost and lose are in our vocabulary, in our everyday use? Lost and lose. We can lose our self-respect. We can lose an argument. Some of you have lost your mind. We can lose a fortune, lose our direction, lose touch with reality. My favorite state of mind. We can be on the losing team. I want you to know, it's all the restraint I can muster not to make a comment about the Cubs at this juncture, but I'm, I'm going to exercise rare self-restraint right now. We can lose our job, we can lose our health, we can lose out to another man or woman, we can lose control, we can lose our virginity, we can lose any number of physical objects. The bag my wife carries is a black hole of lostness. Do you know where your keys are now, honey? I think maybe I just lost something there in that exchange. It's even been said that you can lose your soul. Most of the time, we don't want to be on the losing side of anything. Maybe it's because yesterday was International Tom Hanks Day in Chicago. I'm not making this up. It's a real thing. That I'm thinking of the movie in which three brothers were killed in World War II. A fourth brother was still alive and fighting, and a group of army rangers were dispatched to bring home the one remaining son brother now lost behind enemy lines. The mission for this group of rangers was a man. The mission was saving Private Ryan. Lostness, it turns out, is a major subject with Jesus also. He even included the word in his personal mission statement. He said, I've come to seek and save the lost. Whenever I pause, the answer is almost always lost today. So <laughs> just kind of file that away and you'll be, you'll be good to go the rest of the message. So it should come as no surprise to us that Jesus tells several parables about lost things. Here's one of them. By the time a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation uh, were hanging around Jesus listening intently, the Pharisees and the religion scholars were not pleased. Not at all pleased. They growled. He takes in sinners. And he eats meals with them. Treating them like old friends. They're grumbling. Trickle this story. Okay, that's all the voice I got for that. That bit is gone. Here's the story. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and lost one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? When found, you can be sure you would put it across your shoulders rejoicing. And when you go home, call, tweet, Instagram your friends and your neighbors saying, celebrate with me. I found my lost sheep. Count on it. 
There's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than over 99 good people in no need of rescue. There's a signpost up ahead marked lost or found. What have you got to lose? I think embedded in this story, there are several questions that beg answering. Question number one is, who are the 99? Who does the 99 sheep, later called 99 good people, represent in this story? Let's look at the context. So whom is Jesus talking? He's talking to the Pharisees and the religion scholars. And why were they upset with him this time? Well, he was hanging out with people. They, and they're the arbiters of these things, they didn't think he should hang out with. Tax collectors and sinners. I love the way Peterson paraphrases it. He calls them people of doubtful reputation. Do we, any, do we have anyone with a doubtful reputation here this morning? Okay, it's all of you. That's the answer. The answer is all of you are doubtful reputation. I believe the 99 sheep, the 99 good people, represent the Pharisees. The ones who thought they were righteous. The 99 represent the grumblers and the growlers. They were the ones who were ego-driven, E-G-O, edging God out. Question number two, who would these people be today? And the answer is, anyone who thinks their own goodness, their ability to keep the law, their intellect, their theology, their church tradition, their socioeconomic status, their ethnic heritage is superior to everyone else's. And here's the logical extension to that. They're too good to associate with certain kinds of people. People they deem have doubtful reputations. Question number three. Well, who are the lost then? The lost sheep represents those people of doubtful reputation that Jesus is found fraternizing with in this story, the people that society had passed over didn't care about. Now, who you associate with, it's always an issue. It starts when you enter school as a small child. It grows in importance in your teen, early adult years. And it's no less important as you get older. And it's true, the Bible teaches, bad company corrupts good morals. So how do we harmonize the fact That in our story, Jesus associates with people of doubtful reputation and the teaching elsewhere in the Bible that you should not consort with undesirables. And the answer is found in the fact that there are two kinds of undesirables. There are undesirables and there are desirable undesirables. (laughs) Sounds like a film from Pixar, doesn't it? Desirable and desirable is coming to theater near you. I think this teaching is very fundamental to the understanding of the gospel of Jesus. The undesirables that the Bible warns us about are those who have as their agenda to win you over to their rebellious and disobedient ways. They'll not think twice by asking you to violate your conscience. In fact, they may work very hard to persuade you to do that. At times, they'll even try deception to get you to follow in their defiant ways. One way you can spot an undesirable is that they'll ask you to disobey authority. They'll make fun of your faith. They'll belittle you if you don't follow them in what you know to be wrong. 
You can spot an undesirable when they ask you to compromise your principles, ask you to cooperate in a shady business deal, tempt you into an illicit relationship. Those kind of undesirables? It's a good idea to keep your distance from them. But there's another category. The the category of desirable undesirables. They represent the one sheep. Now, they aren't perfect people. In fact, they may be involved in some things that, that really are quite morally questionable. But the difference, and this is a big one, for the most part, is they know that. They admit it. They don't try and conceal it. And they would never, ever pressure you to follow in their steps. I used to hear, growing up in church, people interpret the one sheep that goes astray as a church member that gets mad and leaves and storms out of the church and this teaching is telling us to go chasing after them. I don't think so. Now, I'm no expert in the matter, but I, I'm pretty sure sheep don't growl. Sheep don't grumble. As far as I know, sheep don't bark or stand up on their hind legs and storm off. The lost sheep that Jesus talks about here wanders off. Because the self-righteous people that should care didn't. Because those who should be paying attention weren't. Desirable, undesirables are those that get overlooked. Not because they're a threat to your faith or your morals. But because they offend your social sensibilities. They differ from your clique and your regular friends. Perhaps they have a different skin color. Perhaps they speak a different language. Maybe they have different tastes in music or food or clothes or hobbies. Maybe they vote for a different political party. Maybe their educational or social status is lower than yours. And it feels beneath you to even associate with them. In school, they stand alone at lunchtime. In the community, they get isolated in the worst parts of town. Jesus is saying if the human shepherd will leave the 99 to find the one that's lost, how much more will the great shepherd do to seek and reclaim the one who has lost their way from God? God loves lost people, and he asks you to. Implied in all this is the thought, shouldn't you, who call yourself religious people, imitate God in this respect and try to find and restore the lost? In this parable, it's the lost that God finds and the found that are really lost. Maybe you need to get lost so God can find you. In fact, Jesus says whoever finds their life will... Remember I told you to file that away a few minutes ago? ...will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Final question, question number four. Where do I find joy? And according to this story, I find joy when I get in on a party. And the thing that sets off the streamers and brings out the cake in heaven is when one person turns around from their running and is found by God. I love this quote from St. Bernard. The tears of the penitent are the wine of angels. The religious bigots to whom Jesus was speaking had a saying of their own. And their saying was, there's joy in heaven over one sinner 
who is obliterated before God. How's that for a chirpy, upbeat message? The thing that makes God happy is when you're obliterated. So Jesus, he turns their false conception of God on its ear, and instead he says, lost people coming home, that's cause for real celebration. So I want you to know, God, he's still searching for you, and it's relentless. So if we'll stop playing the fugitive, we can hear Jesus say, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy burdened, and I'll give you rest. We'll hear him say, fear not. So I want you to know, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter how far you've run, no matter what you've said, God is still searching for you. Maybe you remember how Saving Private Ryan ends. The men accomplished their mission, they found the lost brother, and they returned him home. But maybe you haven't thought about the time in your life when you were lost, behind enemy lines of sin, and Jesus sought you out. Chances are, there was someone acting on orders from Jesus who made you their mission. Maybe it was parents, maybe it was friends, maybe it was grandparents, neighbors, co-workers. For me, it was my mother. And her mission was to make sure her two sons and her husband became Christ followers. And in my brother and I's case, it happened when we were teenagers. In my father's case, she had to wait 40 years before she could say, mission accomplished. You were their mission. They wanted to bring you back alive. They wanted you to return home. And you owe your life to them. Today, if you haven't been found, or if you have been found, you've got a mission. And your mission is to go find some lost person, some desirable, undesirable, and tell them about Jesus, and tell them this about Jesus. He wants to throw them a party when they come home. At this church... God's mission is our mission. And we're all of doubtful reputation. So, uh, I lied earlier. I got one last question. Are you running from or are you searching with God? You're either on a mission or you're on someone else's mission. So, what have you got to lose? Or what have you just got to lose?